The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. You know, it was just 24 hours ago that it was like in the mid-60s and bright sunshine, right? (laughs) Crazy uh, weather turn of events here with the snow on the 21st day of April. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in snowy Lexington. Coming up today, Kyle Tucker will join us, as he does on Wednesdays, from theathletic.com. Uh, he did one of his uh, mailbag columns last week. Actually, did did so much so great a response that turned into uh, two postings for him. So we'll talk about some of the things he addressed in there and other topics. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws will be with us in the first half of the show. That's our guest lineup as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day and another football recruiting commitment. Wildcats are on quite a nice run. This one comes out of Cincinnati, Moeller High School, a traditional power up in the Queen City. Tight end Josh Caddis has committed to UK. Three-star tight end, 6'4", 245. He chose Kentucky over the likes of Michigan and uh, UofL. His dad played with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. So I saw an interview, though, with uh, Josh where he said um, you know, he appreciated uh, his dad's career, but he wanted to... Make his, you know, start his own path, go on his own path. And so uh, just because his dad uh, went to Michigan, he didn't feel like uh, he was drawn there. So he fell in love with Kentucky, and so he has committed to the Wildcats. Nice pickup in. There's been so much clamoring over the years for greater use of the tight ends in uh, Kentucky's offensive system. And it seems like from what. You see the Rams do, what Coach Cohen has talked about, that in this system, this is one that will uh, rely more heavily on the tight ends. Uh, I mean, C.J. Conrad caught a fair number of balls. It was in a uh, system where that they, they relied on the, the tight end so much for blocking that you know he wasn't going to catch 90 balls like James Whalen did in Hal Mummy's system in 99. However, uh, this is one where you're going to see a lot of sets with multiple tight ends. Sometimes even as many as three, I would guess. And I think you'll see them a lot more involved in the pass game as well. So uh, important to get some commitments like this one from Josh Caddis up in Cincinnati. Comes out of the same high school as uh, Ben Bates, who I think is going to have a big year for Kentucky. He, I think, was going to have a, a really nice second half of last season. Jeff Pecoro and I, in some of the August practices we watched, were really impressed with Bates. Jeff had watched him up in Cincinnati, where he lives, and we thought he might be able to put a little pressure on Keaton Upshaw and Justin Rigg, and then, then he made his first catch against Mississippi State and got injured on the play and uh, was not a factor the rest of the season. So I know Vince has really talked him up, uh, talking about Bates. So I think you've got Bates, Upshaw, Rigg, uh, Dingle, the freshman from Bowling Green, who will be in in the fall. So that is a really strong position that – Figures to be much more active, I think, in the pass-catching numbers moving forward. 
Uh, glad to uh, see that commitment for the Wildcats. Reports moving to basketball say Kentucky has reached out to Iowa transfer C.J. Frederick. Certainly no surprise there. Uh, there have been uh, a lot of talk. I was reading some stories uh, from the Iowa side where the the feeling there is that he's going to end up at Kentucky or Cincinnati. Uh, Frederick played at Covington Catholic but is actually from Cincinnati. So we'll see uh, how this one shakes out for Kentucky, but this one's been talked about for a while, and so I think there's probably a pretty good chance C.J. Frederick ends up as a Wildcat to continue to bolster the outside shooting for John Calipari's team for next season. Uh, for the next, it is the, under the as-expected umbrella, Olivier Saar declaring for the draft. Uh, he released that yesterday uh, via uh, Twitter and uh, other social media platforms. We wish Olivier well. Uh, really nice uh, shooting touch and with that touch, he'll have a shot to, to make a spot in the NBA. A guy that can you know, run the floor well, great size, and can shoot it to the three-point line. Uh, if he doesn't make an NBA, he'll have a lucrative career back in his home country of France. But you know the way the NBA relies on outside shooting now, pick and pop, hopefully uh, Olivier can find a spot in the league, or at least in the, the G League, and maybe eventually work himself into the NBA. Baseball, number seven, or excuse me, number nine, Louisville beat Kentucky 12-5. to And Kentucky was in a huge hole early in this one, down 11 nothing after two and a half innings. So just really difficult to dig out of that kind of hole for the Wildcats, who will return to SEC play this weekend. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Coming up on 12 past the top of the hour, Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. It's the Leach Report. It is our Wednesday show, and we welcome in Chris Fisher from catspaws.com at chrisfisher247 on Twitter. Uh, we'll start with the C.J. Frederick story, Chris. You uh, write about it at catspaws.com. Kentucky has uh, reached out to him, and that would be under the heading of as expected, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, this uh, probably one of the worst-kept secrets in, in college basketball there was you know kind of smoke billowing out even back in february that you know he may be looking to leave iowa and uh, enter the transfer portal officially on on monday and and like you said not surprisingly kentucky has um has reached out and it makes a lot of sense frankly he is uh coming to catholic product but led them to a state championship uh, from Cincinnati, and uh, I saw one of the Iowa sites suggesting that uh, Cincinnati could be an option for him to get uh, close to home as well. Uh, but do you see it as pretty clear-cut for Kentucky? I think so. You know, where, where there's so much smoke, I think there has to be some, some fire there. Kentucky has kind of been the rumored destination for for some time now, it remains to be seen as to whether, you know, he'll get this over with quickly and, and commit or, you know, he may wait for the temperature to cool down a little bit. There was, you know, some bad blood there uh, with him leaving Iowa. 
they released a, a one sentence statement that didn't include any kind of well wishes or anything like that. Some of his teammates unfollowed him on social media, and uh, there are a lot of unhappy campers uh, in Iowa City. So he may take some time and you know kind of let things cool down a little bit. I do think Kentucky is the team to beat and is the most logical destination. But there's probably there's a couple schools that I, I wouldn't discount. Well, I didn't see the the tweet or the release from Iowa. It, it was the one sentence wasn't something like "Don't let the door hit you on the way out," right? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Uh, it was very uh, straightforward. Um, it, it basically said Fran McCaffrey has announced that CJ Frederick has entered the transfer portal, and that was it. CJ's uh, uncle, I think, played for McCaffrey. I believe. I think was uh, one of the connections there. Uh, this feels to me, and I, I don't know. CJ don't know uh, his background as far as a Kentucky, you know, fan, but this feels kind of like when when Travis Ford was at St. Louis, he was at St. Louis because Kentucky didn't recruit him, and once the coaching staff you know changed and Kentucky wanted him, uh, he you know was was going to be back home as as quickly as he could get the paperwork signed uh, to the Bluegrass, and this kind of has that that feel. Not that the coaching staff changed, but the maybe philosophy changed a little bit. Yeah, perhaps there's there might be a little bit of that. Um, you know, I don't think this is a case of you know CJ Frederick coming home to to play the role of hero to rescue you know his struggling dream school from a nine and sixteen season or anything like that. I do th- I think he sees an opportunity and a need at Kentucky. Uh, he grew up a, a fan of of Notre Dame. His uncle. Obviously, uh, played there under Digger Phelps, and uh, but I, I think he sees a, a role for him at Kentucky. And the mass exodus at Iowa doesn't help. Luca Garza is gone. Joe Wieskamp is likely gone. Jordan Bohannon, uh, I'm told, is not likely to return for another year. Uh, his closest friend on the team, uh, Jack Nungi, is transferring to Xavier, and so I'm not sure how comfortable he felt with his role at Iowa next season and and what type of team they were going to put on the floor and so all of a sudden at Kentucky even as a a six man I mean you put the the likes of of Kellen Grady and CJ Frederick potentially Davion Mintz a Dante Allen with uh with a dynamic uh, point guard who can penetrate and and Oscar Shibway who can command a lot of attention uh in the low post Uh, that's that's a, a very lethal lineup and a complete 180 from uh, the the type of team that Kentucky was able to put on the floor last season. Well, the kind of roster they're constructing, and we'll, uh, for the purposes of this discussion, assume Frederick is part of it. Uh, to me, I'll see if you agree that this lessens the importance of the point guard that they get having to be a great three point shooter. If you got guys you can kick to, and uh, the, the main thing is a point guard that can uh, break down the defense and get into the lane and create. If he can also, you know, hit 35% on threes, that's great, but it's not as uh, important as it is for those guys on the wings to hit, you know, closer to 40%. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think, uh, and I, I tweeted this the other day, I would rather have a team full of shooters and one driver than a team full of drivers and, and one shooter. I think, yeah, I think uh, that's well a put. much more effective way to to break down a defense and I mean if you look at the point guards Kentucky is involved with uh, you know 
Ty Ty Washington shot over 40% from three this season. Nolan Hickman was a really good three point shooter. I think Marcus Carr was, you know, kind of in the middle 30% from three. So all three of those guys, which, um, you know, Ty Ty Washington and Marcus Carr, I would classify as Kentucky's uh, plan A and plan B. Um, at the point guard position, all of those guys can can really shoot it and can break you down as well. So uh, it feels like Kentucky's in a good spot. Chatting with Chris Fisher from the Cast Puzzle. Take a quick break and come right back to uh, continue. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic in the second half of our Wednesday show here on The Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. 24 past the top of the hour. We're chatting with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. Olivier Saar uh, declaring yesterday that he is headed to the draft. Uh, that certainly uh, didn't surprise anyone. When do you think, uh, any, any guesses to when you think we might hear something from Mintz and Brooks? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I I would have thought uh, we would have heard something by now. Obviously, uh, those two guys are are being very deliberate with their decisions, and they have a right to be, and and probably should be. I think you know you look at the situation with with Devin Askew, and you know saying that he wasn't going to transfer, he was going to be here, and his you know father kind of echoed those sentiments, and then all of a sudden changed his mind and and transferred, and so. It, you don't want to be in, in that situation where you commit to coming back and then all of a sudden Kentucky adds a player or two from the portal and uh, quick, you know, things start to look a little bit differently for you. And so I think those two guys might be waiting to see, um, you know, kind of how the roster uh, shakes out and, and where they fit into it. Ty, you mentioned Ty Ty Washington. Um, his timeline is the end of next week for making a decision uh, anything new on that front uh no this one is a little uh tough to read i think kentucky is in a good spot but i can't say that for sure i know kansas was getting a lot of buzz early on when he first decommitted from um creighton over a month ago but uh that has lessened. I think there's not much separation uh, between the schools. Uh, heard a little bit of LSU. Baylor obviously is coming off a, a national championship and losing Davion Mitchell to the NBA draft. And so uh, I don't think we'll have to wait long to find out. He said he wanted to have uh, a decision by uh, late April or early May. And it sounds like John Calipari is taking his recruitment very seriously. Sounds like he's he's heading that thing up uh, himself, which I think tells you uh, how important Ty Ty Washington is and and how much John Calipari values him as a point guard target. I think he is Kentucky's top target on the board. And then if they miss on him, I think they'll you know they'll probably wait things out and and see what happens with Marcus Carr. And. If they don't land Washington, um, there are going to be a lot of options. I mean, yesterday uh, you had Severe Wheeler at Georgia and a uh, point guard whose name escapes me right now from Coastal Carolina, uh, two more point guards that, that came on the board yesterday. So this uh, possibly will continue for a while. Yeah, definitely. And as I've said before, it's, it's kind of like a, a big game of chicken. Do you, you know, Do you take a guy that you feel comfortable with that's in the portal now, or do you – 
wait things out and 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 see who else decides to to transfer. They took Reed Travis in in late June a couple of years ago, and uh, there are going to be more names that you know that that decide to to transfer depending on how their respective rosters shake themselves out. You're going to have guys that pull out of the NBA draft and decide to transfer, and so there are going to be plenty of options available for Kentucky. I'm not sure you want to you know push it and and wait until late in the summer to add another point guard but uh certainly the options are going to be there and cal has, has shown that he's quite adept at managing roster turnover through his his time here um, now it's going to be uh, a different kind of roster turnover in that more veteran players and if you get a guy like a cj frederick that's a guy that uh, you know is bringing in transfers you might have for at least a, a couple of years um, Grady, you know, some are going to be grad transfers like Grady, where it's only one year. But the the point being is that Cal has shown a, a, a skill for for doing that as a coach, and yet now he'll be able to do it with players who are more polished, who uh, have you know been through, um, have been have been coached, and also um, you know have come into college and whatever expectations they've had they've maybe had to reset some of those so it's gonna be a little bit of a different dynamic but one he should be well built for i would think yeah he i mean john calipari should be good at it by now because he's used to doing it every single year and i get the feeling you look at the long list of transfers that kentucky made initial contact with you know whether it was rocket watts or bryce hamilton or mac mcclung or or davion Harmon, all of those guys adam miller that you know haven't heard from kentucky recently it makes me think that john calipari knows okay this is who i want this is who we're getting uh and started to you know maybe back off of some of those other guys a little bit so i do think he has a plan in place like you said he's been in this spot before he's used to walking uh, that tightrope in the spring and the summer, rebuilding uh, his roster basically from scratch. And with the way the transfer portal is set up and the names that are in there, it makes all the sense in the world to go after guys that you have more film on. And as you mentioned, guys that have been around the block a couple times and know what college basketball is about and have been coached uh, at a high level on the collegiate level. You look at the teams that had success in the NCAA tournament this season, Baylor, UCLA, Gonzaga, Michigan, Alabama, Arkansas, all those schools were uh, there were some star freshmen here and there, but for the most part, those teams were constructed around high-profile uh, transfers, and I think yeah. that's uh, what you're going to see moving forward. Chris, thanks for the time, as always. All right. Thanks, Tom. Chris Fisher, Kyle Tucker will join us when we come right back on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. From the Clark's Puppet Shop studio, second half of the Wednesday show with Kyle Tucker joining us from the Athletic.com. Uh, and Kyle, a lot of the uh, comings and goings in the transfer portal are going to keep going for a while. What's your guess, whether it be a transfer or a freshman like Washington? Uh, and would you even feel comfortable making a guess on how the Kentucky point guard situation will play out? Well, I mean, I, I think the the top two 
options that we're aware of at the moment, I think, would be Ty Ty Washington uh, and Marcus Carr. And, and, you know, the tough thing for Kentucky, I think they're going to end up with somebody that I think they feel good about. And it may be somebody other than one of those two names. But um, because they have options and because, frankly, um, new names keep popping up in the portal left and right. I mean, you know, Georgia just uh, just lost its point guard that led – the SEC and assist last season, Savon Wheeler. Um, you know, I, I there's not like a, a time limit on this, so we could get deep into the summer and somebody goes, hey, you know, some top point guard out, out there looks and goes, Kentucky's still looking for a point guard. Yeah, I can go play <laughs> I, at Kentucky. A, you know, I, I like that's the thing. Kentucky has a point guard opening. Um, if you want to think of it that way, John Calipari and Kentucky need a point guard. Uh, and that's, I think that's been pretty well broadcast at this point. And so whether it's one of these two guys or somebody that's not even in the portal yet, they're going to end up with a good option. I think the, the hard thing for the, for Cal Perry and the staff and for, I think obviously fans that are eager to see this roster go ahead and coalesce is that, um, there's a waiting game. I mean, you know, unfortunately these are, these decisions are not on their timetable. Uh, I think it's also going to be one of the, complex and frustrating aspects of the new way of college basketball with all these transfers is, is you're going to go way, way past the end of the season and get really close to the start of the next season, I think, before a lot of rosters are settled, and especially with programs like Kentucky. So, you know, they've got to wait. They, they just have to kind of wait and, and let Marcus Carr make his decision about you know, whether he wants to become a pro. Uh, I mean, he's not going to get drafted in the NBA. I'm not really – he must be weighing whether he wants to go play somewhere else or if he thinks, a, you know, a G League contract is better than not getting paid at all because he's – I've seen no one that has him projected as a, an NBA draft pick. Um, maybe part of that process for Kentucky is in, in recruiting him is convincing him of that fact. Like, you are not an NBA draft pick and you could be. If you want to be, you're going to have to come back. Uh, and then Ty Ty Washington, I mean, he's got five other really strong suitors. And so, um, you know, you're, you, don't, you don't want to start rushing a kid because I think that can be off-putting. But he's going to go through his process. And so I, I tend to think it will be one of those two guys, but I, I also think there's the possibility of somebody else. And, I, and I, until I see otherwise, I, I will continue to believe they'll get somebody that you have to feel really good about. Um, just because it's such a need uh, at such a high-profile program. And now the pool is so much larger. Like before, when it was only high school recruiting, for the most part, that you could do maybe a handful of graduate transfers, I mean, the pool was limited. Once guys went off the board, that was it. Like there was there were finite resources. Um, that's not really the case now. And for a program like Kentucky, when you open it up to everyone who exists in basketball could – be an option for you it it changes things for those of us that uh, write about or talk about um, kentucky basketball or college basketball uh, it's going to be a a boon for the off season because uh, it gives you a lot of uh, things to discuss that will be continuing topics for for quite a while for fans probably not going to be a whole lot of fun <laughs> if yep. you uh, didn't like one and done you may not like you may uh, dislike this uh, version of it even uh, even more 
Well, I think the process. I think I think fans will be will be there'll be more anguish about the process of building a roster. That's but I think fair point. The end, I think the end result you would like it a lot better if you're if you're a, if you're sort of a weary Kentucky fan, you know, tired of always having you know eighteen year olds who don't really know how to play yet. It, it, this is going to change that, and and because it's not just grad transfers that are available to you, you might also get some guys that come in and already know how to play and stay, you know, a, a year or two or a couple of years, you know. So I think I think once the roster is together, that could be very different. Like you know, the big the big buzz right now is C.J. Frederick from from Iowa, and you've got a forty seven percent three point shooter at the Big Ten level for the last two years. Um, You've got a chance to get that guy now, and not as a grad trade. Like you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have gotten, you wouldn't have even had a guy like him available before this wave of you know you can transfer one time at any point in your career, um, and that's going to I think open up the doors to some quality players. I think you know, there's the evaluation gets better, right? I mean, mm-hmm. now now the staff can look and say, not project, but still, I guess there's still a level of projection. What can we make this guy? But there's also a knowledge coming in of, you know, these four players or these five players that we added. Um, we know they can all play Division One basketball at a high level. I think that's, that's going to make a difference. That's a, a really good point because I think from a – I was talking about this with Chris Fisher in the previous segment. Cal's a guy that clearly can manage roster turnover. You know, he's done it with uh, – guy, but as what he's been doing is you get guys, you recruit guys that you think – uh, are really good players, but you've you know when you get them, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, BJ in particular, because Terrence was hurt most of the year. You find out, okay, you know he, you know he's not quite ready for what we needed him to be. I think he could have, you know, if he had chosen to come back for a second year, maybe he could have you know grown into you know something like quickly did. But you know, you you never are quite certain about. Uh, how what you're getting until you actually get them there. Here, you're going to have a little better idea. They're going to have been coached other places, and they're going to have uh, you know have tape on them playing at the level you need them to play at. In other words, you know, Division One college basketball. So you have a little more certainty in terms of the roster that you are constructing. I would think. Right. They're they're much they're much closer to the finished product. Right. They're much mm-hmm. closer to their ceiling, and so. You kind of know. You kind of say like we. You know, it's not so much betting on the upside, but but buying what they are, and and also I think Cal has has also kind of largely had the philosophy of like I want to go get you know four to six of the best players in America, high school players in America, kind of regardless of of fit and make them fit. You know, figure out how to use them. I mean, we there was the year that the Kevin Knox year that the whole team was like a. Six seven to a six nine forward, <laughs> um, you know, and there's some benefit to you know doing it that way because you're getting elite level talent and athletes and length. Um, but this approach is going to kind of blend some of that. I think he's still going to go out and go, okay, give me give me two or three of the absolute best players, period, that I can get um, from high school. But then also, okay, now I'm going to go specifically recruit needs and go at those at the needs at the absolute needs i'm going to go get proven guys i need okay we didn't shoot the ball well obviously the three-point thing is an issue i'm going to go sign two guys that are just absolute knockdown um you know shooters or or i'm going to go add a guy that is an absolute no doubt creator as a point guard 
um, distributor, I, that I think that allows him to manage it even better. We're chatting with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, you can go to that site to subscribe to read not only Kyle's content about the cats, which uh, you get a lot of, of great insight. You don't get other places there, but uh, the tremendous roster of writers of sports uh, all over the map that you can uh, get great coverage on at theathletic.com. We'll come back one more segment with Kyle when we return here on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Back with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, Kyle, about this time or later a year ago, there were stories that Emmanuel quickly was seriously thinking about coming back for another season at Kentucky. And ultimately, he did what players almost always do in this situation, which was go ahead and go to the NBA. Um with Isaiah Jackson in his words and actions, it feels a little different than than most of these cases, but do you think it ultimately there's much of a chance that it would turn out differently? I mean, if I'm betting on it, I'm not going to put any money on Isaiah Jackson coming back. But, um, I, I mean, I think the door is still open. Why, why has he not hired an agent? Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if it's not still a possibility then why is he not just all in on the draft? I mean, if he wants to be a lottery pick, why doesn't he have somebody working on his behalf? And, and why is he not, you know... Working out going, with a trainer somewhere? Going, and Why is he not going full tilt to do that? I mean, he's not, he's not done any of the things, to me, that a guy who's definitely going in the draft would do. Uh, he's still here. I mean, it's not that unusual for guys to still be there because they, they promised Cal that they will finish the semester. But, I mean, you can basically do everything virtually now. Um, and right. they basically are. I mean, I think I certainly think if he needed to go train, he could go train. Um, and he's, I mean, he's actively spending time with his teammates. He's playing pickup games. He's, he's going through the, their off-season workouts. You know, I've heard that he, he has looked incredible in some of that stuff, um, and that Cal's very excited about it. And, you know, I think that the staff is at least still entertaining the idea that he could be back and, and certainly pitching it to him the value of it. I know that everybody looks at him and looks at sort of the measurements. He's this freaky long, freaky athletic guy who on a per-40-minute basis has some insane defensive numbers. But if you really watched him play if you really study him he had a lot of moments where he was he it was all instinct i mean he was every good thing he did just about was happening on instinct and there were a lot of moments where he was completely lost uh he he had trouble staying on the floor there were there were motor issues like can he keep it cranked up you know at that high level all game long every day all practice long every workout long um you know it, it is a grown man's league in the NBA that you have to be ready for. You have to be mentally ready. Do you understand basketball, you know, well enough to play at the at, at the fastest, most intense level that it will be played? I mean, if you thought your head was spinning in the SEC, you know, where do you get a load of all the guys you're trying to keep up with um, and the offense you're trying to keep up with at the NBA level? And, you know, you've got a bunch of just monsters out there physically – are you 
are you ready for that physically? Um, you know, there's those are the questions that I think Isaiah and his dad and mom will be asking themselves, and I think they're the questions that, that Kentucky has been asking him. Do you, you know, be honest with yourself. Do you think you are ready for that? And if you aren't, what happens to you? If you get there and figure it out, what happens to you? Um, and what could happen for you if you come back and, and work out all of those things first? Uh, how much money could you make? How much higher could you go in the draft? Um, and how much more of a chance do you have of staying in the NBA? I mean, that's the thing that you want to think about. If you, you, know, if you want to be a pro, getting drafted is really just kind of, that's like an entry point, but it doesn't mean you're a pro you know, for the long haul. And those guys, you know, the money's in the second contract. You better be able to get to one of those. Um, so, I mean, those are all the things that I think are on the table for Isaiah Jackson. And to me, he's obviously listening and thinking about those things, or he would be doing something else right now. You know, he would have an agent, and he would be more full bore in draft prep. And the longer it goes without, without that happening, um, the more possible, I guess, I could see it being that he comes back. I think ultimately somebody's going to get in the kid's ear and go, look, man, you're going to get taken in the top 20, and that's good enough, and you're going to make enough money, and, and you can work on all that other stuff. Even if they send you down to the G League, you know, they'll work on all the other stuff. I think ultimately there's, there's too many voices that, that will tell them things like that. Um, but, it, you know, doubt lingers, I would say that. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm kind of right in – Lockstep with uh, what you're thinking on uh, on this particular one. From I don't believe that he's eleventh uh, like he, the one ESPN project him. I, I think you're all at the Athletic. Your projection had him somewhere around twenty. That's what Pratt is hearing, and I trust him implicitly. I know what, the kind of people he talks to, and most everybody else. I think just about everybody else other than that one ESPN project him has him somewhere a little outside the lottery, and that seems likely where it will be, barring some you know incredible workout that he would have that would you know create a lot of buzz yeah i think it's uh, i'm pretty i'm pretty shocked by uh, by the 11th i mean it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be crazy for somebody to like take a take a gamble on somebody with as much upside as him um but i think they're going to be there are so many other options in the draft that that are certainly more more polished and more sure things that it would it would um I don't think that's the most likely outcome. I mean, it, it, I think somewhere 20 to 25 is much more likely for Isaiah. Um, you, uh, and that's still good, too. You know, Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, is, is that worth it? You know, I don't know. It's a little different than, you know, with Josh Allen. He was projected, you know, as a maybe a second-day draft pick, and he bet on himself and played himself into the first round. Here's Isaiah uh, Jackson, where, you know, he's a – Oh, you know, he's going to be a first rounder almost certainly. It's just a matter of you know how how far up and do you want to come back and uh, you know I think coming back not only could you play yourself into more money. I really think that some of the things you talked about were is the uh, is even more of a benefit of getting your game ready to stay in that league beyond the first contract more so than the ex- the nice the extra money would be great, but I think those things that you talked about would be even more important. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think I think ultimately the biggest decision for him is: Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready for the NBA? It's not really about draft position, unless you just you know, unless you go, I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to be a top five pick, and and I mean, I, that wouldn't blow my mind. That could happen. Was able to do that because yeah. yeah, I mean, because he's he's that freaky of a of a talent. Um, 
but I don't think it's really. I mean, we're talking about with a first contract, the difference of a you know a, a few million dollars. I mean, that, that's crazy to say. Oh, just a few million dollars. But in the scheme of things, it's not a crazy difference from you know getting picked nineteenth to getting picked twelfth. Right. I come back and now I'm a lottery pick. But it's just a decision for him. Am I ready for the NBA? And I think if he if he keeps asking himself that question, and Kentucky you know is is continually saying. You're not, but you can get there. Um, there's maybe some appeal in that. Uh, under a minute left here, just a quick thought. Uh, Mince and Brooks, do you think they're just waiting to see how the roster is constructed before they make a commitment? I feel like it's got to be at this point, right? I mean, it seems like it. They're not in. They're not NBA players. Uh, you know, Mince is maybe weighing whether he wants to go. You know, start a pro career elsewhere. Um, and that's that, you know that's that's a real thing. I mean, he can make some real money, I think, playing overseas. But um, certainly in Brooks's case, it feels like he wants to see where all the dominoes fall um, before he commits to anything. And I think that's that's the right approach for him. And and Davion, I think, is going to play regardless. I think there, but he he probably would like to know for sure if they're going to crowd him out of his role. I mean, he was basically the guy by the end of the year and. Uh, I think chances are less and less likely that he would be the guy coming back. But, um, you know, if they just take a point guard, there's room for him. If they take a point guard and somebody else, I think the writing is, is kind of on the wall there. Kyle Tucker at theathletic.com. Thanks, sir. Thank you. We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report in just a moment. Racing resumes at Keeneland today. Under these snowy conditions, and it's the final three days of the spring meet. Uh, let me uh, take a second to uh, plug one of our sponsors, and that's TripNote Pros. Uh, they analyze the uh, races and give you some insight into horses that had maybe a bad trip that doesn't show up in the in the racing form past performances. And there was a horse in the last race on Saturday or on Sunday that they identified as one that. Uh, really uh, didn't get a chance to give it anywhere near its best effort in its debut race and should be much improved in the second start. And the horse nearly won at like 13, 14 to 1. Gave you a decent exacto with the favorite. So get some good info. It's uh, tripnotepros.com. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at